Welcome to the Stretch Mobility Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Narker, and I'm truly honored to embark on this transformative journey with you. Together, let's build a thriving community of PTAs who are trailblazing their way to success in the world of stretch mobility coaching. I am here to equip you with the tools, knowledge, and strategies that will take you from being a physical therapist assistant to becoming a solo professional in the realm of stretch mobility coaching. Now, whether you're dreaming of starting your own practice or do you want to expand your current client base or you want to establish yourself as a respected authority in the health and wellness injury, I've got you covered. Now, this podcast is going to be more than just a show. Guys, it is a community, a community of caring and motivated PTAs who are committed to making a positive impact through the power of stretch mobility coaching. Together, we'll cultivate an environment where we can find inspiration, we can connect with like-minded professionals and foster meaningful collaborations. So get ready, immerse yourself in compelling stories, gain actionable insights and be part of a community that champions your success. Let's unlock your full potential as a PTA and make a lasting impact in the world of stretch mobility coaching. Hey guys, I am very excited for this show today. And today I have a very special guest. He's a personal trainer and a dear friend of mine, Drew Melvin. And Melvin, and he is joining me today to talk about everything personal training. Hi, Drew. Hi, Kim. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you joining me. Guys, for you guys that don't know, so Drew and I met, gosh, it was it was before COVID, right, Drew? Yeah, I think it was November, December 2019. Yep. So take a minute and just kind of introduce yourself and let listeners know where you work. So I work at a gym called Cincy 360 Fitness. It's located in Columbia, Tusculum on the east side along the river of Cincinnati, Ohio. And I started working here about two years ago, almost exactly two years from this day. So yeah, it's been two years since I since I started. And prior to that, I worked at Stretch. I worked at another physical therapy slash gym prior to that, which is where I interned and got my first job out of school. But I became a personal trainer through Cincinnati State's personal training fitness program. Yeah. What inspired you to go into personal training? So I was working a regular job, 40 hours, plus a little bit of overtime benefits, just a comfortable job. It was a manager of a cleaning company. It was just very reliable, very predictable. Um, I really liked the company a lot from my manager all the way up to the owner, but it was about as exciting as it sounds. It was just no real passion for the actual work. So I kind of felt burnt out in that way. I had been the same position for, I think, around five years give or take a little bit. And at that point, I just kind of got bored of the job almost and just kind of saw, I saw where the future was headed in that direction. And I was 28 years old, I think at the time. So I was kind of get that point where it's like, all right, I'm settling into a career and I don't really care for it all that much. <laughs> I like the job. I like the pay. I like the benefits. I like everything about it other than the actual day-to-day -day work. It was very uninspiring 
to go to a job like that. So I started then, looking around at ideas. Yeah. And, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Cause I, I, I jumped in yeah. on you. Sorry about yeah. that. So yeah. Tell me about your um, inspiration and what ideas, how you found that. So I looked around at a lot of different ideas online, different programs to go back to school to different schools to go to. I really was kind of lost at, a, at the beginning. And then it kind of just occurred to me that one thing I did enjoy in my free time was I didn't know what skills I had other than being a manager. I felt like I could take a job, but I would probably not like that. If I, even if I moved to a company, the chance of me enjoying the company as much as I did was pretty minimal. So I thought I got to get out of this and I got to learn new skills. So I looked at different programs, different schools, and it occurred to me that one thing I enjoyed in my free time was exercise, particularly running at that time. I'm not as much of a runner as I am was back then, but that was something that I think was a good stress reliever. Made me feel exhausted at the end of the night. I used to do that uh, at night before bed and that would just calm my legs, make me feel physically tired after sometimes a frustrating day at work. And then um, as I was getting into running, I realized that you know I should probably stretch and take care of my muscles versus just running and getting tighter. And I felt my hips getting tighter. I knew I was getting closer to 30. So I started looking into stretches and then exercises, just kind of snowballed. And I realized I'm spending all this free time on the computer or buying books and reading about exercises and things like I can do for to help my body. I thought that's a something I can do, I think. There are people out there that do that for a living. Um, <laughs> so instead of using my free time to do my hobby, you turn my hobby into a, a full-time paying gig. Um, and that's where I found Cincinnati State actually had a program a certificate, but they also have an associate's degree where you can go to school and major in fitness. And it's an exercise science associate's degree, but they also had a one-year uh, personal training program. It uses a ACE uh, certification for personal training for the, their textbook. And I thought, well, that lent some like kind of legitimacy to it. it. Made me feel like I'm going back to school to change careers versus just getting an online certification and becoming a trainer and I know that's that's fairly common. There's no shortage of certifications and different ways to become a trainer, but that just made me feel pretty secure. Made me feel like I'm really making a career change versus starting a side gig. So that was the route I chose. And how much did you invest I, in that? And because I know there's different certifications and stuff, but the different certifications come for at different costs and price points yes. too. So and I, I, it was back in 2017, I made that decision. So it's been a while now. 2018 was this full calendar year that I was in school. So I paid part-time, probably about five credit hours a semester to Cincinnati State. So mine cost a little more than the average program. If I had just done ACES program online at home by myself and purchased the ebook instead of the textbook, or I, I know, they have different packages and every NASM and all the other different big certifications do. So I took the long, slow route, but I felt it, to me, it just lended itself some credibility to it. Again, it was more mental for me. I was held to it with homework assignments and you had to go out and interview a gym owner and you had to present stuff to the class and you had to so just It was a very long, slow route, but I made some really good contacts and all those contacts have carried over throughout my career. So I'm really glad I took that route. It's not the cheap route. It was probably the most expensive route and the longest route, but it was, it was, you know, several thousand dollars at least, um, would probably you say, a little more than that. Yeah. Would you say it was closer to 5,000 when you're all in? Yeah, probably time. close to five. And then I also had to take some time off of work 
in order to go to the classes. So I was losing some of my paycheck at work too. So all in all, it's probably close to ten or twelve thousand dollars I missed out on in that year, that calendar year. I think that looking at that, I think you bring up a good point, Drew, because we have countless opportunities to be able to spend lower money and to just gain the certification, which is kind of like putting a credential past our name. But I love how you said, I really wasn't looking for the credential. I was more looking at the legitimacy behind, you know, in your head, you had to make sense that, hey, I've got to to make this worth my time, I have to know that I'm changing careers. And to you, changing a career meant really going back to school, learning a new skill, and it not just being a weekend thing that you do. Yeah. Let's kind of talk about that a little bit, because I feel like there's a lot of people out there that think, you know, I can just go do the weekend thing. And that weekend thing is going to give me my certification because I, as a PTA, you know, that's our audience. As a PTA, I already have a skill set. So really all I need is the certification and now boom, instant success for me. Let, let's yeah. dig in a little deeper to kind of why you felt like you needed that legitimacy and why you felt like that, because I don't see a long route being a bad thing. No, I'm very glad I did it, actually. <laughs> I don't think I would have had success had I not taken the long, slow route, to be honest. I And I kind of knew that ahead of time, but I didn't realize the uphill battle I would have been facing had I taken the short, cheap route. And what do you um, feel like that um, the longer route gave you? So the main thing the longer route gave me was all the contacts that I made. So a big part of the class, and it was the final semester of the class, was an internship. That was where I learned almost everything. So not that the class was was nothing, but you can get a certification online from your home and you can get the, yeah, you can get the little letters next to your name and call yourself a certified trainer without ever, ever really step foot in a gym. And I had not been an avid gym goer for someone who worked out as much as I did and enjoyed it. I did most of my stuff at home. I found stuff on YouTube. I found some therapists and trainers that strength and conditioning coaches on YouTube and bought some books on Amazon. And, you know, you can you can certainly self-educate and become great, I think, but learning from other people. But for the that hands-on experience of in the gym, I never really belonged to a gym. I did a lot of body weight stuff. I did running a lot, like I said earlier. I really didn't know a whole lot. I kind of knew the basic anatomy and major muscle groups, but going to school, I had a professor who held me to deadlines and tests. Um, And then, like I said, the internship was the biggest thing. So she, the way that class worked was you had to interview, you got the long list of potential gyms. Those are the the intern managers that were coming to school one day. And we all had to pick like three or five, I forget. And you pick in order, you list which ones you want to interview with. And then you interview with each one. And we all went around this big conference room and they all had folding chairs and tables out. And I got my number one choice and I was very happy with that. Then I interned for a whole semester with them. And that's where I learned how to become a trainer because then I wasn't just learning out of the textbook or even the professor taking us down to the fitness center. It was seeing clients come in and out of the gym and how the trainer worked with each person differently and came up with them. They, they would talk afterwards about how to program for them. And, and you can, again, there's a, the textbook have that information in it, but to see it 
in person for, I think it was like 12 hours a week. It was not major, but it was for 10 weeks. It was like a hundred something hours I spent in a gym and almost, you know, every other day I'd spend three or four hours at least and just, just hang out in the gym kind of and meet the clients. And, and that led to a job offer too. So that was, that was a huge portion did of that. Get, was, it, it led paid? right into the career. Did you get paid? No, the internship was unpaid. That The internship counted as, as class credit. So okay. Okay. it was all unpaid time. Yeah, that was... So not, you can't really, it's hard to put a dollar amount on how much I paid to become a trainer because a lot of my time was unpaid becoming a trainer too. So a lot of it was paying to be in school and I was paying to be at another gym and I spent more time there than, than even in class probably during that last semester. And that was all, most of it was time away from my actual paying job at the time too. So that cut into a lot. Um, that was way more than the actual cost of the certification or even the tuition of school, I think. And I think you hit the nail on the head here. So you were going to be able to learn a whole process. You didn't want to read a book, pick up a detail here or a detail there and go, you know, try to put it in action. You wanted to go straight to a school that formatted it in a way that you were going to, at the end of the day, be able to flip the switch and have a program that you knew would be successful. Yes. It, again, it, it felt like I was going back to school to change careers and learning the career versus getting a certification and then putting it on my resume and hoping for the best. And yeah. that's where I think a lot of trainers, I know it has a very high burnout rate. And I think that's part of the reason why is at the very least, by the time that calendar year ended, I had spent, you know, how many hours in a gym and I kind of knew what exactly I was in for. Had I not known, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I'd have made the decision. I think I would have, but it was just, it was, it was a very, very good easing into the program over the, or to the career over the course of a full year versus just working my butt off in school and then sending out resumes. So I didn't, it, you know, it, it blended very well. So then when you started out kind of, I, I know this is, I don't know if you're going to be comfortable with saying this or not, but what kind of income did you earn when you came right out of school and jumped right into personal training? Did, did you kind of well, have it was, a, like, it was pretty low. It was a huge pay cut from my previous job. It was not a full-time, not a full-time gig anywhere. Um, I shouldn't say anywhere. There were a couple offers of places I didn't really care to work as much. I did there, there are, it's very hard to find a place that's just going to give you 40 hours on the books and this is your pay per hour or this is your salary. Um, very hard to come by any benefits at all because almost all of them are paid per session you turn out. And most of them, you started zero clients, <laughs> most of the jobs. So it depends on your work environment for a trainer. But yeah, I, when I first started, so I got a, I think it was right around 25 hours a week working in the fitness center at Cincinnati State. So that was my kind of base to work off of. I got that just to be guaranteed. I think I worked like 12 to 6, give or take, Monday to Friday, 12 uh, p.m. to 6 p.m., something like that. And it was I, I had to stay under 30 because I had to be part time. And then I the intern, the place I interned at uh, Beyond Exercise, which is a physical therapist owned facility and there's physical therapy and strength training that goes on there. And I got a job there part-time and I was, you start at zero clients essentially. So it was a very, very low paying shadow gig at first, basically. You just shadow the trainers. And then the manager was there was very nice and started feeding me some clients here and there and kind of shadowing me in a way and watching how I 
blended them from him to me. Um, and that's it's kind of hard to come by in some situations where the, the facility or the manager actually helps you build your book. I've heard a lot of stories of how it's, you know, how do you get your first client when you first started a new, like, if you start a new job in personal training, oftentimes your salary is zero until you make it what it becomes. Um, you're facing a very steep hill there, uphill battle there. Um, so I was fortunate enough to have that that part-time gig going at Cincinnati State, and then that was my base, and then I tried to add and build my book as my manager helped me along um, and that was where I wanted to work at the time. That was where I was trying to turn that into my full-time gig and work there for a full-time, you know, fill my book there. Um, and that really, that happened fairly slow, but I don't think that was abnormal at all. I think it actually maybe happened faster than average because he was giving me some of his long-term clients. So what um, would you was, say if you had to estimate how long it took you to kind of build that clientele there? Or how long would you say that took you? So at one point, and I wanted to hopefully build up as big as I could and then leave the part-time hourly rate at the fitness center. Mm -hmm. And that took me from, I think, January 2019 until about September. So it took about nine months until I had enough clients coming in at Beyond Exercise where I left Cincinnati State Fitness Center. And even then, I took a little bit of a pay cut because I can't. I was working 30 hours. It, it wasn't another 30 hours of training. It wasn't equal, um, and the the you know the pay was different. But and you get paid per session, so it was tough to make that decision. I think that's the problem a lot of new trainers have who want to do it full time. Is first of all you start at zero, and then you got to build, and then at some point you have to take another leap because you have to give up whatever was paying your bills in order to give more time because if the only way you build your book is to open up more time for clients to fill your schedule. And if your schedule is filled 30 hours a week already, you don't have a whole lot of time to build your book. So at some point I started working a little less hours and I made the jump. And then I was on the way to building my book there for a few more months until the end of the year. And I want to stop you right there because I want to talk about then hours like when you say build your book, it's not like you were working from eight to five to build your books. You were no. really, can tell me a little bit about the hours that you had to put in. Yeah. So when that was blending, when I first started at the gym, I was already working at the fitness center since I stayed, I was working that, like I said, 12 to six, I would go in from and train at the one facility from about six to eight, six to 10 a.m., go to my job at the fitness center. And that was not a training gig. That was more, I could, I could train people if I wanted. And I offered that to people, but it was more just for free. I was on the, on the clock to be there, worked there from 12 to six, 12 to five, somewhere around there. And then I'd go back to the gym and try to work from about five or six till seven or eight and try to get some evening hours. So almost every trainer I know starts off working at the very least a split shift of some sort. Not every single day, but if you're lucky every day to work early morning and late afternoon, evening, because everybody wants to train before and after work. Mm -hmm. There are very few places. I know of a few <laughs> where it was offered where it's like, you know, normal business hours. And that's really hard to come by. And that's that's just the reality of it. If you want to work at a gym training clients who have full time jobs, 
you have to work around their schedules or they have to fit into your schedule somehow. So it's early morning and late evening. And most trainers I know, at least for the first few years, work a full split shift Monday to Friday or at least Monday through Thursday. A lot of times Saturday morning as well. And they work somewhere around 5 or 6 a.m. till late morning. And then they come back around 2, 3, 4 in the afternoon and work until 7 or 8 at night. And that's how you add up to eight hours, hopefully by the end of the day, by doing two eight-hour split shifts or six and two or something like that. So so why did you decide, because I mean, as a personal trainer, you obviously have the skill set to be able to go out on your own, right? What made you decide, okay, I'm going to go work for a business instead of going out on my own? Going out on your own would... This, this, that's the scariest part, I think, of becoming a trainer. I can't really speak to it because I haven't done it yet. But to go from, you can build your own business and and hope for the best, but I'm not the best at marketing. I'll, that's one of my weaknesses. Um, uh, most of my marketing happens word of mouth, so I get all my new clients from past clients at this point. Um, but how do you, getting from zero to there is, is very, very hard and very uh, intimidating. At least it was to me. I think it is for most trainers. When you first get certified, you are certified to become a trainer. You're allowed to train, but you have to find people to train. And that's where getting in with the right manager or gym owner really helps. I don't, I'm sure it exists. I'm sure it happens. And we maybe, I just don't meet them because they work by themselves and they own their own business. But I don't know any trainers who became certified and just launched their own business and have made it long term. I've never met it. I'm sure the one exists. I'm sure many do maybe, especially because they can do it online now if they're really good with social media and doing Zoom call style workouts maybe. I know that was getting popular before COVID and COVID probably still keeps those numbers up higher than it ever was. But I don't know any trainer who's been doing it for a full-time gig as a career, as any length of time who went from certified to owning their own personal training business. I've never met one myself. And you know, that that's in every profession, to be honest with you. I mean, I remember when I opened the doors, I had to go out and learn marketing because it was crickets. I mean, my phone, even though I set up my office, even though I established a business and I purchased everything, that phone didn't ring because I didn't know how to market. Um, So that's your number one thing that you have to be able to overcome. But then that second thing to be able to say that you're actually a business owner is you have to be able to take when you do get a lead and convert them to a client that you keep. So if you don't have marketing and you don't have sales to be able to build a business is virtually impossible. So totally right there. So tell me a little bit about, so you graduated from the program, got your certification in 2019. It is now 2023. So you've been doing it a few years. Are you earning what you thought you would be earning by this time in your career? I am now. It took me from, yeah, I got certified in, I think, December 2018, Got my first paying gym job in 2000, January 2019, and it took until I'd say probably January, February, March, somewhere end of end of the winter in 2022 <laughs> to make what I had set out to make. 
at some point there, I crossed over with what I was expecting to make and live comfortably or what I decided was what I wanted to make as a trainer. Um, and I think that happened it was a little bit slower because of COVID. Yeah. But really, it really messed, yeah, that, that messed everything up. I think I was well on my way back in 2020, really. It was with it was just over a year. So what I've always been told and what I was told by my professor and multiple veteran trainers um, is that they it takes about at least a year to fill your book. The first year is just about filling your book. And that's just to get full. And again, that's a split shift working six days a week, you know, four day, four mornings, four nights or six mornings, four nights, I should say, Monday through Thursday, working evenings. And that's a hustle. That's somewhere, you know, if, if you're looking at half hour workout sessions with clients, you're looking at close to 30 clients, maybe 20 to 25, 30 clients. And that's close to somewhere in the 50, 60 session range spread over the course of, you know, Monday morning through Saturday afternoon. So when you're saying um, 50, that's, you know, 60, that takes over a year to build that up. So, so 50, so when you do get there and it takes you a year and it's 50 to 60 sessions back to back, like you go from your 30 minutes to your next 30 minutes with that. And that's six days a week. What is the burnout with that? I mean, you're expected to see 60 visits a week. Yeah, that burns out a lot of trainers and especially that split shift. Your free time is from 11 a.m. till 3 p.m. It's really useful if you're scheduling dentist appointments or getting your oil changed. All that kind of stuff is great because everyone's open and everything's pretty empty. But otherwise, you have almost no social life because <laughs> yeah. even when Friday night comes around, you got to wake up early for your Sunday or Saturday morning clients. And then by Saturday afternoon, I, I was, you know, pretty beat. Um, it definitely takes it out of you. It definitely just, you're always, every time you leave the gym, there's always like an eight hour window till you have to be back there. And that includes overnight. So <laughs> um, much as sleep is important for your health, most trainers, especially early in careers, don't get anywhere near the recommended amount. So um, you're going and that really affects workouts too. Then you can't work out because you're tired. Um, that yeah, really burns people out. That's true. You don't even have time for your workouts at that point. You start to feel like a complete fraud at some point because mm -hmm. you're barely sleeping and working out as often as you're, you're telling clients, paying clients to. Um, now, and I think that burns out a lot of people. They start to hate it because it's just such a grind. And they loved it. They loved working out. They loved going to the gym after work. And they turn into their career and they realize – I don't even have time to do what I want to do anymore. This turned into a hassle more than a hobby. And I think that's a huge part of why the average, I've heard different stats, but it's somewhere between one to two years is where the average trainer burns out. So then if you, so you're a trainer, you see 60 people a week um, and that's kind of what your goal is. Um, you are running at full speed all the time. You don't have hours during the day. So a PTA that works in a clinic typically, I would say, makes around probably starting salary $50,000 a year if they're in an orthopedic clinic, and they may see two to four people an hour. So to them, it may be, if I'm only seeing one person, I'm okay, um, but yeah. you are back to back. But if they transition from a PTA being an orthopedic clinic, they can actually make more money still seeing group sessions and they can go into skilled nursing and then they can work up to home health. And some of those PTAs may be able to make, you know, 60, $70,000 a year 
if all of the stars line up right, our personal trainers with a full schedule that are kicking it during those hours that you're saying, are they getting sixty and seventy thousand dollars a year? Um, and that some are and most aren't. That's the answer. I think the average is somewhere around for a full-time, fully booked trainer in at least the Cincinnati area. I think the average is somewhere around like fifty-six thousand a year. Okay. Somewhere around there, and that's again sixty sessions a week, full time. Um, that's what you're building up to. Now I know some trainers who have their own businesses, not necessarily gym owners, but they have their own business. And they take care of themselves, and I've met trainers who I've been told make six figures. Um, that's fairly rare, and those are people that have been doing it for quite a while and are very business savvy, good marketers. And I think that's that's the dream of a lot of trainers. But it's I think if you're if you're really busting it, I think that that, that skews the average. I think that's why the fifty six thousand is cited as an average because there's a there's a certain low percentage that makes six figures. But I think most are making well below fifty thousand a year, even when they're fully booked. I know at a lot of uh, and I've never worked at a big box gym. I've heard some somewhat horror stories i think a lot of trainers start there and get burnt out the ones that make it through end up owning their own company or their own becoming a gym owner and they bust it as hard as they can for you know sometimes well under 40 yeah a year and that's not unusual i'm going to be honest with you when i started my company um i, I didn't pay myself for the first like seven years because it was until we switched over to stretch mobility coach and stopped doing pt is when I could actually charge a higher price because I was giving a higher value and I actually had my target client coming in. So the struggle is real on our side too, because a business owner, I mean, you're literally just forking money out, forking money out, trying to learn business sales, marketing, finance, and just to try to gain a customer. And then you're learning how to retain a customer and keep them long-term. So there's a there's a lot of learning that goes on there and, and it does take a long time. So what are some of the other struggles that you feel like other trainers are facing in the field currently, Drew? So now that I think things have pretty much returned back to normal after COVID, I think, well, I think right now, uh, whether or not to raise prices is definitely a big issue because everything costs more than it used to just a few years ago. So if you're not raising your prices yearly or bi-yearly at this point, you might actually start losing money. Your salary just doesn't go as far. Um, I think that's a big part for trainers and gym owners. And a lot of trainers have no control over that whatsoever, um, how much they get to charge. Um, so Every once in a while, I think the gym owner will raise the prices and you'll lose some clients. And it wasn't even your decision because the prices went up. And that's that's something that I've heard recently from some trainers I know, or at least heard around the training industry is it's it's as popular as ever, but it's gotten significantly more expensive. And it's and it's a luxury. It's it's the first thing to get cut when someone is not making as much money themselves is they can just buy a gym membership and cut you out and save themselves a ton of money. So, so what would you as a luxury say? service provider, that's tough to sell yourself then, yeah. especially when they've been with you for a while and it, it, you've gotten a relationship with them. You might really enjoy working out, but it's like, all right, now I know what I'm doing. It's like, I can totally. save myself hundreds a month if I just 
go to yeah, a big exactly. box gym, get a membership, and don't use you anymore. It's like, all right, well, good luck. Let me know if you need help. And sometimes they come back. I've lost a couple that way uh, financially. But there's just you have to charge what you're worth, and you have to charge enough to make it worth your time. Is that's part of it. Um, that's probably what, one what of the going rate, Drew, for um, training sessions right now that a trainer can charge. I think right now the average is somewhere around. 40 for a half hour, maybe 70 to 80 for a full hour. Usually a lot of trainers that do full hours will give a little bit of a break for the extra. They'll give the second half hour cheaper. Um, but yeah, I think it's somewhere around 40 to 80 for the half to the full. You know, every gym kind of has their own different way of doing it. I work for a very small private training studio. So we, everyone that walks in the door is on the schedule with the trainer and it's all one-on-one -on -one or maybe two-on-one all organized ahead of time everyone has paid ahead of time um it's 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 very different than i don't know what the struggle is in a bigger like a big box gym or a larger membership style gym that also has trainers i never worked in one of those i purposefully avoided them for that reason um, i heard when i was in school and talking to all the gym owners and veteran trainers i talked to they all had their horror stories about that um i think it's a great first job it sounds like a lot of them started there and kind of learned how to train and it's somewhat of a dog eat dog world there with amongst the trainers and that's they create some burnout i found the trainers who i, I was attracted to a small business um to have a small team that just sounded like more my personality and fit me and the trainers who all worked there all seemed to be better trainers i don't know if i'm not trying to talk bad about anyone who works in a big box gym i'm sure they're they're the same because they most small gym trainers came from those so there's clearly some giant overlaps there, but the trainers who I interviewed with and talked to when I was in school who worked at small gyms or own their own gym or training business all seemed like they've been around. They've seen the bad side of things. They've kind of cut out what they didn't like about the, about the way the gym ran when they worked at a big box gym and they've, they've kind of streamlined it and they attract people that are not attracted to that type of atmosphere. So the people that work out at 360 Fitness and every other gym I've ever worked at are all coming in looking for guidance and they know it's not gonna be super busy, it's not packed. If there's maybe four trainers with one-on-one -on -one sessions, maybe eight or so people in the gym on a busy hour. Um, so a lot of times it's less than that. So they don't have to feel any sort of, the clients don't have to feel um, intimidated by the gym. A lot of people hiring trainers don't love the gym. <laughs> they they need guidance. They don't feel comfortable walking into a big box gym and just grabbing stuff and working out. They uh, The equipment, they have no idea how to use half of it. They don't know what exercises to do when. So it's really, it's it's that's why becoming a trainer in such a smaller facility with that one-on-one -on -one guidance just made sense to me when I was trying to become a trainer as I kind of avoided I purposefully avoided that type of big, you know, small fish in a big pond scenario because that didn't seem like where I was going to learn the best. And the trainers who had gone through that all kind of had some negative experience of why they left that situation. And the ones working at the small facilities, the ones that made it essentially, because you have to prove yourself for a gym owner or to hire you or for uh, to start your own business, you have to have some knowledge. So I learned from those trainers and not the ones that were running a full book in an open gym that offered training 
kind of scenario. So I purposely sought out the ones that I felt like made it as a career versus the ones that were still in the struggle. Um, and that helped me kind of leapfrog that, that classic stereotypical like stepping stone for every new trainer. I kind of jumped right over that step. I feel pretty lucky that way. It might have taken me a while. I might have spent that much time learning and struggling, but I didn't have to actually go through it. And I have some knowledge that I otherwise wouldn't have. I think I think what you did was right, because all of us, um, even though it seems like it's a good, quick thing that you can do, there's nothing in business. There's nothing in changing your career that's quick, um, that's going to make you happy. Um, and I feel like happiness comes with, investing in yourself and um, really showing value to someone and really helping someone. And I think at those big box gyms, it's a little harder to show that value to a client than it is yeah. in the type of environment that you work in. So if you had to look at um, for your clients, what kind of areas that they're missing as far as services, because, you know, there's PT out there, there's Cairo out there, um, there's stretch mobility coach out there, there's massage therapy, all of those areas, your people that you're training with right now, and I'm sure it's a bunch of different types of people. What do you feel like is missing as far as services that you wish you could provide in that training environment, but you can't because of your, you know, personal training um, scope. I think there's definitely, and I'm starting to, again, I, I've been here for two years now and I've, I'm starting to get my own clients coming in based on more referrals than anything else. Um, but a lot of my clients have, my more recent clients have actually read reviews on the website from my clients saying that like I helped them get out of back pain. So they walk in, never having met me, knowing no one who works out the gym and say, can I work out with Drew? I read online. He was good. And he knows he helped someone else. They read it on a Google review or whatever. So one of my long-term clients wrote that. And that that is, and a lot of those reviews have gone a long way, I feel like. So that takes care of the marketing for me. Now I just have to maintain the book. That helps. Um, and I'm finally at the place where I'm, I'm making my schedule now. I'm cutting out evenings um, as much. I'm not working double. So now I'm not only full, but I'm working the hours I want to work versus the hours I had to work before. So that took me about two years. But to feed, to, to work with those clients, there's definitely a limitation because I'm drawing on what I've learned from therapists and PTAs that I've worked with. Um, I can't do any manipulations. I can't manually release anything. I think a lot of it is trying to find the right, you know, myofascial tools to to hit the spot that they're talking about. A lot of my clients do go to chiropractors or therapists or especially massage therapists on a regular basis aside from training. So the average client I see is working out about twice a week for a half hour. I'd say that's average. I have all the way from one half hour every other week to four full hours a week. It's everything wow. in between, but most are doing two or three half hours a week. Maybe two full hours a week would be somewhere in that range, but they, a lot of them have issues now. So I'm getting a lot of clients who have pain or issues that pop up or nagging knee injuries when they run, that kind of thing. And that's what they're, that's the main reason they're coming to me. And I like working with those clients, but I am completely stabbing in the dark at my guesses. I cannot diagnose anything. I cannot release anything. I can show them how to release what I think is tight based on their movement assessment or how they squat, how they hinge in their hips and just go by their client feedback. But I would be 
One thing I don't have here that I had at my previous two jobs was a it was a licensed medical professional to either tell me the diagnosis ahead of time, then I have a really good lead at least, or someone that they could see leading into my session. So to be adjusted or get the, the manual release and then, all right, you know, the therapist works on their hip and now work on, you know, that's their issue. Now you get a half hour of the client, they're coming off the table with a therapist. That makes it a lot easier when they're walking in the door after a long weekend and they tried to, they went to West Virginia and went to hiking up a mountain and they came back and now their low back is tight. Well, clearly hiking up the mountain wasn't great, but I got to figure out, <laughs> put you down on the ground and then guess and I'm not a licensed therapist, so I am I am guessing, but I'm going by what I saw a lot of. It's a lot of anecdotal evidence of what has worked with me with past clients and what therapists have taught me about different movement patterns that need to be shored up. So again, I, I I'm glad I started in the therapy world and then went training. I don't know if I could have gone the other way, went training into therapy. Uh, maybe that would have taken longer or That'd have been a harder road, I think. Um, I'm glad that I have that background. But yeah, being able to to go off, I think just the information is really what I'm missing um, usually. So I, I like the idea, or I, I didn't realize how good I had it working at past places, past employers, who basically said, here's your client, here's the problems, I already helped fix half of it. You do you know, your thing with them to fix, try to fix the other portion of it. And that was a huge lead because then I knew kind of where to start for the most part. And most clients walking in the door saying my low back hurts when I play pickleball. I have to put them through a movement assessment and guess myself because they haven't seen a chiropractor yet or they went to therapy and it didn't help. <laughs> so now I'm all right. A therapist didn't help them. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a doctor. How am I going to help them? And I draw back to what I learned from working with therapists in the past, and it generally seems to have a pretty good rate of success. I think that's awesome. So, and so um, Drew worked for um, Beyond Exercise, which is a friend of mine um, down in Cincinnati. And actually he is who, um, one of the first person, P first PTs that I met before I even started my practice. Um, Eric Oliver is his name, if you wanted to look him up. Um, and then Drew came to work for us for a short time before COVID. Um, and we got to do a lot of one-on-one -on -one stuff together. Um, yeah. And then we had to transition into stretch mobility coach and all. Um, so, Drew, if you had a stretch mobility coach in with you right now, like if I was there working with you and then I had my clients and I was sending them over to you, how much happier would you be? Well, that would be great. That would make my job a lot easier, I think. <laughs> because, again, it would give me the the lead. It's not just a guess anymore. It would be at least a strong lead. And yeah, that, that would be something I do. And again, Beyond Exercise does a great job of that. They do strength training and they do personal and therapy. And I think when I worked for Stretch, it was nice to get the clients right off the table. They Most of them either were coming off the table, were working with you or Jordan, or they were already through a six week or four week, or they, they got blended somehow to me. Mm -hmm. So they had been through a therapy program we knew what worked, we knew what didn't, and now I get to train them for a half hour or an hour at a time. And it was just, it made my programming so much easier because I had a good lead on what to do. So I had a theme to every single client. 
when I get them in the door at a gym and they don't have any sort of diagnosis, so they have a diagnosis, but it, the therapy didn't work, then I, you know, at first I was like ruling that out. And I realized, well, it, it might, the therapist might have known what they're doing. It might have just their treatment plan didn't work for whatever. So it's just, it's really hard to, and half the time the people don't know any of the terms. They don't know the anatomy. So I ask them what exercise they did and they, they show me, you know, a poorly done clamshell. And then I have to guess at like what the therapy, they, they don't remember. They don't keep their notes from the therapy. It's all that is missing. So it's, it's a, it's a stab in the dark at the beginning. And then you just go from there. But, um, that would be great. I think, I think that's what's missing in the industry really is. And I th I know it's slightly, it's, it's definitely somewhat of a trend, I think, where personal training and physical therapy or chiropractic or, you know, some sort of medical treatment is now blending better than ever. And I think that would give every client by far the most benefit, especially anyone who's seeking seeking to work out because of pain or when they get they get pain because of working out or because of a certain activity i think everybody could use a little bit of both of that and it seems like right now you largely have to go to one or the other or you have to go to you know a hospital and then you do training on different days and it would be great if that could all happen under one roof i tell you and stretch mobility coaches we're looking for them nationwide so those of you that are ptas that want to go through the stretch mobility coach program i tell you drew's not the only trainer that would love to be able to work with you um, and collaborate with you to be able to take a person that has pain or tightness through a successful program um it it, it it's kind of a collaboration um that people are truly truly looking for um, yeah, i think it's a trend it's a trend in the training industry for gyms to be or trainers to work for therapists yeah um it's definitely i'm seeing that more and more there's definitely more of a blend so it's definitely on the rise i think more it's because of that people didn't used to look at it that way mm -hmm. they didn't used to look at therapy as that's the medical stuff and then you go to the gym and lift weights mm -hmm. and i think every most trainers i know have some sort of They've looked into therapy exercises. They've looked into corrective exercise. That's probably one of the more popular CEUs right now for trainers is some sort of corrective exercise or orthopedic exercise certification program um, because they, everybody has an ache or pain. Almost everybody over the age of 25 or 30 has a, a knee that flares up occasionally or an elbow that hurts because they broke their arm when they were whatever age or their back hurts when they stand up or golf or something like that. And if you can get them out of pain, they're lifting weights is kind of secondary, but if you can talk them into lifting weights after they've strengthened their back and gone through therapy. So I think there's a huge market for it. And there's a reason why it's such a huge trend right now that it's growing. It seems like they're popping up more and more now. I know more, I know more of places to work as a trainer that are owned by therapists now than I, realized when I first started. And I think a lot of them started in the last few years. Yeah. And honestly, the stretch mobility coach side, we are actually promoting to our newer coaches to try to search for a gym that would like for them to be in there, mainly because we fill up so fast on the stretch mobility coach side that it gives us a way to get people off the schedule into a training program and it's, yeah. it's their next step that they have to do. And then with the trainer working so closely with the stretch mobility coach, I just think it's, um, it's 
a really, really, really good fit for clients um, and everything. So anything else you want to add, Drew, maybe to these PTAs looking into going into personal trainers? I don't know what the struggle is exactly. I know there's there's certainly a lot of knowledge and carryover there to be able to train someone. A lot of PTAs know quite a bit about exercise or can learn pretty quick based on the knowledge they already have. It's just to know that I would I would definitely be in it for the long run. <laughs> if you're going to make that jump, it is a jump. There is, I don't know of any really easy way to make that where you're going to get a guaranteed number of hours and benefits. It's definitely something you're going to have to think over. Um, it's not just an easy transition, even though some of the knowledge is definitely, like I said, overlapping. It's, it's definitely a jump. Um, it's definitely a struggle. Most trainers don't make it. Um, it takes years to, to, to fill your book. And then it takes years after that to make it your book, what you want it to be. So it is definitely a struggle. And if I were right now trying to switch, I would find a therapist who has a gym or has an association to a gym or a gym owner who wants a PT in there, which clearly the stretch mobility coach would probably be a good thing to get because <laughs> that would then shore up that you're able to work with kind of blend those, those clientele. Like I said, it's the same clients, but they're going to two different places. And I think I really like the idea and I know more and more, I know a lot of more gym owners now are also trying to blend that somehow but they don't, they need to get hooked up with a doctor or someone like a mobility coach who has the knowledge there. Um, because none of us, most of trainers don't have, um, the licensing to do anything medical, like I said. So that's, uh, I would, I would definitely look into that versus just trying to grind it out in an open gym. Um, that would be my, my best recommendation because there's definitely a huge market there and you're going to miss it if you just try to become a trainer and build up your book in a big box gym or a, a big open gym type setting. I think not that you couldn't help those clients, but I don't think that is what you're looking for most likely. Um, it's definitely not. It's, it's such a different world from that and it's such a grind. And even without a medical background or without a PTA background, I was encouraged to skip it by every trainer I knew who had made it already, who was doing it full time as a career. So I think relying on that and using that background you have is the most important part. So there's a there's a huge value there. Um, I was going from just a management job <laughs> in a cleaning company. So I can't imagine if I already had a lot of the anatomy and physiology, you know, that type of knowledge in the orthopedic exercise knowledge, um, to use that as a strength and take the hybrid route. Even if you think you want to become more of a, a traditional gym trainer, I still think that would be the better transition for them. And it's a huge part of the business right now. Like I said, that's by far the most booming portion. I think there's, there's a lot more people who are now looking to exercise as medicine than ever before. And a lot of my clients kind of fall into it on accident almost. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, so I tell you what, Drew, for us, take, keep your eye open for um, gym owners or other trainers that are looking to partner with stretch mobility coaches, whether it's in Ohio or whether it's out of state, it really doesn't matter because I'm trying to right now pair up my stretch mobility coaches with other personal trainers to build those collaborative forces. And I was just, we had a meeting before this and I met with my staff and Noelle told me, and she's the, um, our business department. She told me that somebody reached out through our Instagram account, through the stretch mobility coach for one of our, they wanted to meet one of the owners that we had. Um, that's a stretch mobility coach. So we were able to connect a company with one of the stretch mobility coaches, just because they had heard um, through our social media or through the website, which is even more cool because we're just going, Hey, here's a business who wants to collaborate with you. <laughs> yeah. I think there are a lot of gym owners who are trainers themselves, who employ trainers who are leaning in that more towards the therapy side of things than, than I think for whatever reason, for many years, weightlifting has always been associated with bodybuilding or powerlifting or some mm -hmm. sort of, you know, and not that those are bad, but I think there's a huge portion of the population who needs to blend therapy again. So if you have the therapy background already and you want to become a trainer, I think you're in a better position to succeed as a trainer than anyone else I can think of because the market's there and your background knowledge. So yeah, stretch mobility program is kind of exactly what I think a lot of gym owners don't even know exists that they're they looking don't. for and they don't know they're looking for it, but they're looking, they're just like, all right, I'm looking at doctors that work for a big hospital. How do I get their services to my clients? Cause I need them. But every time I, every time I have a client that hits a wall injury wise, I have to ship that out. I have to, that and you lose money coming. Yeah. We could be helping them here. Yeah. And I don't think many people realize that there is, you created a program that is exactly that bridge. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I would love to even be down at you guys as we're trying to find PTAs that are ready to do that, to be able to, we, we've got Mason, Ohio, a doctor there wants a stretch mobility coach in there. We've got Blue Ash, um, Dayton, Ohio, Columbus, um, Chillicothe. Um, we're looking for PTAs. So guys, if you're a PTA, we have stuff for you and we have clients for you, but we just need you to go through the training. So, um, Drew, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's always good to connect. Um, I will come down there and see your boss has reached out to me. Um, I want to go down there. I want to see, um, the gym and talk to him, um, hopefully okay. here in the next couple of weeks and hopefully you'll be there when I'm there. Yeah. Yeah. Let me know. And I can try to be there even if I'm not on the schedule just to Love see it. you again in person for the first time in a few years, but a couple of years now. But yeah, um, that's part of the reason I took the job where I did is that when I went on interviews, a lot of a lot of gyms were looking to, you know, we sell this many memberships and we're trying to get training back up. This was right after COVID. This was the end of this. This is summer of 2021. And part of the reason I took the job where I did is because my resume of working with therapists impressed the, the gym owner. And he goes, so this is what we need. This is part of the reason we call it 360 is because we want it to be all encompassing. We don't want, it's not a powerlifting gym. It's not a bodybuilding gym. This is everyday people from, I had an eight year old last week, all the way up to people in their eighties who come through and they're generally just people that want to move pain-free and feel like they're, you know, at least 
checking the box of getting some exercise in, and some of them have some performance goals as well. But all of them have issues, every single one of them. Um, and if they don't yet, they're going to if they're too young yet to have them. But um, learning how to work out properly and avoiding the doctor is kind of the whole point of our business. And uh, I have another another trainer who is uh, who came from uh, Beacon Orthopedic. She worked there prior. Uh, there's a trainer that worked with, uh, I think it was I, all the way from like six months old through uh, elementary or up to junior high. So we have a wide variety of backgrounds, but it's all based towards health and working out to feel good and look good to an extent. But it's more based towards health, making it a part of your life and being pain free. And if you can't do it pain free, then that's not the right way for you. So, again, that blending it as best we can without the without the licensing is our yeah. whole goal yeah and i think that's really cool um shoot i was gonna say something else you you brought a good point up oh no i had just since um uh you've been in the clinic we get a lot of kids um in the clinic and i had to um put together a testing for stretch mobility coaches for kids that are between the ages of um, seven-year-olds and um, puberty. So like between seven and 12, seven and 13, we're seeing a lot of kids. And so that testing yeah. program I had to put together, and then we're now seeing babies that um, already have a little bit of a deficit and really takes just a minimal little treatment. And then we teach the parents how they do it. So it, it's just opened up our little world on the stretch mobility coach side to be able to truly help a person move better and prevent surgeries. Cause most of these people do not want to have a surgery. Yeah. I think there's a, that's a, again, where the PTA trainer blend comes in is most of my clients don't want a knee replacement, but they don't want to stop running. And that's what an orthopedist told them. So they stopped going to him and now they just want, a trainer with a background. So I think if your background is in therapy and you want to become a trainer, that would be the best that would that would attract so many people. I have a lot of clients who would who would love that or looked at me as the closest thing they could find or the closest thing that anyone recommended to them as that. So again, that that stretch mobility program is is kind of exactly what the whole industry needs, but I doesn't agree. Nobody has built it. <laughs> right. Uh, you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, I appreciate you, Drew. I've kept you a lot longer than I thought I would, but um, I'll probably see you in the next couple of weeks here. Um, so thanks for being on the show. All right. Thanks for reaching out. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of the Stretch Mobility Coast podcast. I hope you found inspiration and valuable insights that will propel your journey as a PTA in the world of stretch mobility coaching. Remember, the power lies within you to transform your career. Don't hesitate to implement the tools, the knowledge, and the strategy that we've discussed to take that leap from being a PT assistant to becoming a solo professional. Now, before we part ways, I want to encourage you to share this podcast with your colleagues and fellow PTAs. Together, we can build a strong community of passionate and empowered PTAs trailblazing their way to success. Now, to ensure that you never miss an episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. 
By subscribing, you'll be notified whenever a new episode is released and you won't miss out on the latest tips, interviews, and stories that can fuel your professional growth. Thank you once again for being a part of our vibrant community. Your dedication to your clients and your commitment to personal and professional development is truly inspiring. I'm honored to be on this transformative journey with you. Until next time, keep stretching boundaries, embracing growth, and making a profound impact as a stretch mobility coach. Together, let's unlock the full potential of your career and create a legacy of excellence for other PTAs.